As we turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 11, we're continuing our series in Messy Grace. Um, I feel kind of like I need to begin this message with an apology to the moms. Okay? So you moms, I really want to apologize to you. Um, because, not because this isn't a Mother's Day message, but because this is almost the opposite of what a Mother's Day message would normally be. Um, so moms, I apologize in advance for the heaviness of this message, but it's where we are in 2 Corinthians, so we're going to go with that. But here's what I want to ask. If, if you're here and your mom is here, your grandma's here, would you please treat her extra special today to make up for this message, okay? I mean, cook her her favorite dinner, take her out to dinner, do all the chores, buy her a new car, do something to make up for this message this morning. Because here's the thing, as we work our way through 2 Corinthians, we're confronted with a very important but very unpleasant subject, and that subject is uh, spiritual abuse. Honestly, I would rather not talk about it, but it's where we are in 2 Corinthians, and we work our way through the book. And so, the title of the message this morning is Profile of a Spiritual Abuser. And we are going to end... Because there is good news in this. And that is, we're going to end by looking at who God is, who Jesus Christ is, and who He calls us to be. And that is going to be good news indeed. So hang on through to the end. But let's begin by reading 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 16-21, through 21, and then we're going to pray. Paul says this, I repeat... Let no one think me foolish, but even if you do, accept me as a fool, so that I too may boast a little. What I am saying with this boastful confidence, I say not as the Lord would, but as a fool. Since many boast according to the flesh, I too will boast. Some of that we're going to connect a little more carefully next Sunday, this boast and foolishness and all that. Verse 19, for you gladly bear with fools, being wise yourselves. Verse 20, for you bear it if someone makes slaves of you, or devours you, or takes advantage of you, or puts on airs, or strikes you in the face. To my shame, I must say, we were too weak for that. Here's a little bit of what's going on. Paul, and his second missionary journey, he arrives at a completely pagan city called Corinth. It is a wealthy city. It is full of pagan gods. But there's something they don't have, and that is one single Christian, one single church. There's nobody there who knows Christ. No church is there. And Paul, for a year and a half, does the hard work of planting a church, preaching Jesus Christ, leading men and women to faith in Jesus Christ. For a year and a half, and when he leaves Corinth, there is a vibrant and, 
it has some problems, but there is a, a true church there. After he left, as so often happens, some bad people backfill in behind him with bad agendas. They infiltrate the church, and these people advertise themselves as super apostles. Apostles 2.0. They're bigger, better, faster, improved over Paul, who they are now bad-mouthing and saying he's weak, he's vacillating, he's, he changes his mind, he's timid, he's, he's not really even an apostle. So, and here is a thing that's important to know. They came in preaching Jesus. They came in preaching Jesus. But it wasn't the same Jesus that Paul preached. A few years ago, eSurance ran a commercial series that I thought was incredibly clever. It was called Sorta You Isn't You. And I thought in honor of Mother's Day, I would show you my favorite of all those commercials. So if you could put that on and... Your mom's a terrible driver. Get in. That's not my mom. Hey, I'm sorry to your mom. We're both 25 to 35 years old. We're both women on the go, and we both clocked a lot of miles. Believe me. Whatever, I'm out of here. Sort of you isn't you. Only eSurance has coverage my way. It helps make sure you only pay for what's right for you, not someone sort of like you. That's insurance for the modern world. eSurance, backed by Allstate. And I hope that we get a check from eSurance for sponsoring them this morning. So just as sort of mom is definitely not mom, amen? Come on, amen? Sort of Jesus isn't Jesus. The imposter apostles were not preaching the Jesus that Paul preached. They were preaching a sort of Jesus. And we're going to look at what that came with in a little bit. But look with me at verse 4. If you have your Bibles open, or you can look up front here, but we already covered this, but look what he says. Paul says, if someone, and someone did, come and proclaim another Jesus than the one we proclaimed, or if you receive a different spirit from the one you received, or if you accept a different gospel from the one you accepted, you put up with it readily enough. You put up with it readily enough. Paul is being sarcastic. They should be rejecting this sort of Jesus. Out of hand. But Paul says you put up with a different Jesus, a different spirit, a different gospel readily enough. But that's not all they're putting up with. Because Paul uses the same phrase in verse 20. Listen to it again. For you bear it. It's the same phrase. You put up with it. If someone makes slaves of you, or devours you, or takes advantage of you, or puts on airs, or strikes you in the face. 
Verse 20 uses five words to describe how these imposter apostles are abusing the Corinthian church, and they are putting up with it. And it boggles Paul's mind that they would put up with this sort of Jesus and put up with being spiritually abused. Spiritual abuse is abuse that's done in the name of God. Spiritual abuse is using God's name to mistreat, exploit, and take advantage of people for one's own selfish purposes. And spiritual abuse blasphemes the the name of God. You see, the Bible tells us over and over and over again that God is great and God is good. God is kind. He is patient. He is long-suffering. He is loving. He is compassionate. He is merciful. He is wise. He is forgiving. Now God is also just. And God hates sin with a passion. And guess what? That is also good. Because sin destroys everything it touches. And so part of God's goodness is His hatred of sin. Now the Gospel is this. God hates sin, but He loves the sinner so much. So much. We took communion this morning to remember the cross. Because God loves us so much. He loved us so much. He sent His beloved Son to die a brutal, excruciating death. And more than that, to face the wrath of God for our sins so that we might be completely forgiven. Completely set free from our sins. And better than that, completely released from the wrath and anger and punishment of God for sin and instead be enveloped in His love, His forgiveness, His acceptance and adopted as sons and daughters. All those, this is open to all those who will believe in Jesus Christ. But not a sort of Jesus, but believe in the Jesus revealed by God in the Bible. Spiritual abusers distort who God is. Because they don't care about God and they don't care about people. They care about power. That's what they're about. They use the name of God as a means to power. Spiritual abusers can be individuals. They can also be churches and whole movements that foster an atmosphere of spiritual abuse. Now again, this is a heavy subject, but I think it's an important one for us to talk about to arm us, to protect us. And I'm aware that there may be some people or some people listening online or watching online for whom this is going to hit very deeply. Maybe you come from a background with that. Maybe you're in it right now. And, and I pray that God will use this time to set you free, to protect your heart, to arm you against being vulnerable, against putting up with it. So let's pause here before we look at those five words and let's pray and ask God to help this time to do what He intends to do in it. Father, as we 
approach a very serious and sobering and unpleasant subject this morning, but I pray that you will use it to promote the goodness that you are, the greatness that you are, the loving Father that you are. And I pray, Father, you will also minister to hearts, Lord, arming some against being vulnerable to those who would use spiritual abuse to exploit them, and healing those who may become from that and setting them free. Holy Spirit, we ask you now to do your good work through this time in your word. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going to be looking at what Paul gives us. He gives us a profile of a spiritual abuser in verse 20. It's not exhaustive, but it's incredibly insightful. Over the decades that I've been a believer, I've seen spiritual abuse in many different situations, and I'm going to share a few of those stories, but I want you to know I'm leaving some of the more troubling stories on the editing floor. But I've seen it in, at work, and I'm, I've seen the stories. You might have your own stories the good news is this, spiritual abuse is never of God, and we do not have to put up with it. Amen? Amen. I want that in our heads. Like Paul is saying, you put up with it, it's, he's implied you should not be putting up with it. Five words Paul uses. The first word is control. Now again, I'm not sharing the Greek word because I'm not going to pretend like I read Greek, but I did look it up. The Greek word means to control. We read it, make slaves of you. The, the Jesus Paul preached set the Corinthians free from sin through his free gift of grace. Set them free. The imposter apostles want to re-enslave the Corinthians to a legalism that they preached. And that legalism said this, the G, that Jesus only began their salvation. His death on the cross was a good start to their salvation. You have a great start to your salvation. Now here's how you complete that great start. You obey the law of Moses. That's what they brought. That's not Jesus. That's sort of Jesus. The word translated make slaves of you means to control. One of the characteristics of spiritual abusers is they want to control you. That what you do, what you say, what you think, they're all about control. Many, many years ago when I was single, I lived with a family for a number of years, and they had a dog named Freddy. Freddy was a, a great little dog and good-natured, and um, he basically ruled the roost until one day. For whatever reason, this family came home. It was a, a spontaneous, impromptu thing. They came home with a full-grown sheepdog, English sheepdog, full-grown. And this sheepdog, it was fascinating to watch. Every time Freddie got up to go anywhere, this sheepdog would, would get in front of Freddie and herd Freddie wherever it wanted Freddie to go. It would not allow Freddy to just walk. It would herd Freddy in whatever direction it was. Freddy be heading for the food bowl. This dog would herd it towards the living room. It was amazing. And, it, and Freddy was much smaller. And, 
There was nothing he could do. After a while, Freddy stopped walking in open spaces. Freddy started slinking behind the couches and behind the chairs because that dog couldn't get to him there. Freddy was afraid to do what he wanted to do because every time he tried to, he was controlled. That is a picture of what spiritual abuse can look like. It's about control. It's about hurting your thoughts, hurting your words, hurting your actions, hurting your beliefs in the direction they want them to go in. Spiritual abusers manipulate, they gaslight, they guilt, they charm, they threaten, all to make you do what they want you to do, and all in the name of God. When I was pastoring on Lamb's, uh, a church called Lamb's Chapel on Long Island, um, some people came to me with a concern. There was a guy that I knew named Carl who was leading a Bible study, and he was becoming very controlling and very legalistic. I mean, like heavy, heavy-handed and he was, this was, I said a Bible study, but it was more like a little church gathering in a home. And just a few people, maybe, maybe 15 people, um, and it was just beginning to become. And some of the people in the study were getting very concerned about the direction. And they decided on a Monday night, they were going to confront Carl about this legalism, this control that was beginning. He was controlling. He was telling me, you got to do this. you got to do that. you got to do what I tell you in the name of God. They were going to confirm. They wanted me to come to support them. So I did. I went. And I'm sitting in this Bible study. And as, as it's being, as it, it's Carl's teaching, I'm looking around and I see a room full of people beaten down. People beaten down because of the heavy yokes that were putting on them, that Carl was putting on them in the name of God. And many in that room were buckling under the weight of those yokes. It was like Freddy. They were afraid to take a step. Afraid they were going to step out of God's will. Afraid that they were going to displease God. That God would put the hammer down. Because that's what was being shared with them. you got to do this. you got to do that. you got to do the next thing. And he was the dispenser of the rules. And so at one point in the evening, some stood to confront Carl, and I supported them. I spoke up and supported them. It wasn't long after that 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 study closed up. I love churches. I love churches of all kinds. If they preach Jesus, if they love the Lord and they preach the Word of God, I don't care if they believe everything like I do. I don't care if they worship like I do. Even if they're messing up, we're messing up, guys. We're doing some things wrong. That's not it. But when something becomes cultic, when something becomes spiritual abusive, I love to see it shut down. Amen? When that's going on, I love to see it shut down. This thing shut down, thankfully. And I do remember one, one dear woman who sat under this oppressive teaching. She started coming to Lamb's Chapel, and it was such a blessing to watch her begin to heal and like a flower begin to blossom with the good news and the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Control is the first word that Paul uses. The second word he uses is consumes. We read it devours you. Now this word here has a wide range of meaning from being robbed to being torn to pieces to literally being eaten. It reminds me of Jesus' warnings about the teachers of the law. 
that they loved to devour widows' houses and pray long prayers. That's kind of like... We're going to talk about that in a few minutes, but often the people doing the worst things try to look the most spiritual, and that's, that's what these teachers of the law... They devoured widows' houses. They devoured off of the weakest and the most defenseless in their community, and then they prayed long prayers. They were devouring the ones they should have been protecting. Spiritual abusers consume rather than contribute. Here's here's something that I think might get us a handle on it, just how it can look in daily life. It's the opposite of being built up. Do you ever notice how some people, when you're with them, you, you feel like you leave them with more than you had when you started? More encouragement, more hope, more grace, more optimism, more laughter, more life, more love. They build you up. They leave you with something. Spiritual abusers don't. They tear you down. They consume. They drain you. You leave them with less. Your emotional account is drained after being them. Your character shredded by their self-righteous criticism. Your hope devoured by their discouraging words. Your grace consumed by their guilting. You leave them with less. They devour. They consume. The third word that Paul uses is takers. They take advantage of you. The word means to grab or to take. Spiritually abusive people are takers. They take advantage of others. You give them an inch, they take a mile. They see relationships as a means of getting. Where Christ calls us to love and serve, they turn it on its head and they are trying to be loved and served. To take rather than to give. Now the word advantage means to put yourself in a superior position over another. To take advantage. You want to put yourself in a superior position. Spiritual abusers see relationships as a contest they're always trying to win. I have an advantage over you means I am in a better position than you. It's a contest. Relationships are a contest they want to win. Because as we've said, for them, it's not about God and it's not about people, it's about power. Every encounter is about acquiring or maintaining power. They have to win every argument. They have to be right every time. They have to be the most spiritual person in the room. It's about power. It's about advantage. So because of this, I want to encourage you, be careful what you share with someone who has abusive tendencies because they're likely to leverage what you share with them against you in order to get an advantage over you. Uh, Years ago, in an effort to strengthen my relationship with someone I was working with, I shared an area that I felt I needed to grow in. I felt like there was an area that God is working with me. That's not an unusual thing, folks. I've got so many areas that God is working on in my life. You want me to share a few, you know? But I shared one area. Just one area. 
And later, to my surprise, they attempted to use what I shared with them against me in order to gain an advantage. Abusive people can be charming and great fun to be around as long as they're winning, as long as things are going in their way. It's their advantage to be so. But the minute it's not to their advantage, charm turns to harm. They take advantage of others for their own benefit and for their own power. They're takers. They take advantage. The fourth thing that, fourth word that Paul uses means spiritual phoniness. It's translated, puts on airs in the ESV. It means to lift up. The problem is what they're lifting up is themselves. In this context, it means presumptuous or pompous. Spiritual phoniness, acting like something you're not. Now, I want to say this, thankfully, I've been a Christian a long time. I mean, decades and decades. And I'm going to tell you how long, because it means I'm getting really old. And I thank God that over the decades, I'm grateful to say that most of the Christians I have met have been sincere, decent, wonderful people who love Jesus. And also, they have been, like me, imperfect, flawed, messy grace believers with a lot of grace and a lot of mess. That's what the church is. That's who we are. We are people filled with grace and filled with mess. And the mess is being worked on by God. But I'm grateful that mess doesn't mean you're not sincere. Because our message isn't come to Jesus and you're going to be perfect. It's come to Jesus and He cleanses and He works on us and He forgives us and we have His righteousness. And yes, He is working on us to grow us. But over the years, I have met a few Christians who have this, I don't know how to describe it, but if you've ever encountered it, this super spiritual air to them. You know what I mean? It's a super spiritual, like they're, they're on a different level spiritually, and they know the Bible better, they, know, they hear from God better, they know what's wrong in the church and what needs to be done better than anyone else. They lead better. There's just this air of spiritual superiority about them. And frankly, to me, that air stinks. It stinks. I used to be amazed by it. I used to see people think, man, that guy's on a different level. But I can honestly say, in every case I can think of, when I've gotten to know them better and their lives better and their families better, it's evident that their spiritual superiority isn't real. It's air. It's just air. Putting on airs. I think the fact that these, these imposter apostles call themselves super apostles kind of gives us a clue that they thought very highly of themselves and they wanted everyone else to think highly of themselves as well. Paul identifies it and says, it's not real. It's 
putting on airs. The fifth word is actually a phrase. And it means to humiliate and bully. He says they strike you in the face. This last description is the definition of abuse. George Guthrie writes in his commentary that Paul, he writes this, would be hard-pressed to find a more offensive image or one that communicates the concept of abuse more forcefully. Being struck in the face is a, a metaphor for being humiliated, for being bullied. It might be a literal strike. It might be a slap. It might be a verbal punch. But its goal is to humiliate, demean, and bully. Spiritual abusers are bullies. They use their words and any other means they have to keep people in their place. Demeaning, humiliating, bullying. Paul says they strike you in the face in the name of God. And his question and his amazement is implied. Why do you put up with it? Why do you put up with it? The quick answer that I've seen is that people fear they'd be crossing God not to. That this person is saying this in the name of God and they would be disobeying and angering God if they didn't put up with it. So here's how we're going to close. By declaring, declaring that spiritual abuse is never, ever of God. So putting up with it is never what God is asking, and refusing to put up with spiritual abuse is never crossing God. It's never crossing God. God isn't abusive ever. Ever. James 1.27 tells us He's just the opposite. James 1.27 tells us that the religion that God accepts as pure and faultless, is to care for widows and orphans. In those days, widows and orphans were the weakest and most defenseless group of people. They had nobody on their side. They had nobody to speak up for them. Nobody. They had no way to provide for themselves. In those days, they were weak and helpless. And God says, this is what I consider religion, to be pure and faultless, to care for them. To protect them for the weak and the defenseless among us. That is pure religion. If you do the opposite, if you devour widows and orphans, you are, your religion is not in any way pure or faultless or even acceptable to God. Psalm 82 gives us this command in verse 3 and 4. Defend the weak and the fatherless. Uphold the cause of the poor and the oppressed. Rescue the weak and the needy. Deliver them from the hand of the wicked. That's God's heart. God's heart is never to abuse. It is always to protect. And so spiritual abusers are distorting who God is and blaspheming His holy name. Don't put up with it. 
the real Jesus, our beautiful Savior. He came to die on the cross. Not to take, to give. Not to be served, but to serve. In order to free us from slavery to sin and slavery to the law, which we could never perfectly keep. In order to make us sons and daughters of our Heavenly Father. In order to make us friends. And you know something else? In order to make us something else. And this is Paul's favorite. Paul the Apostle. Paul the Apostle. When he wrote, he didn't introduce himself as Paul the super apostle who is better than all other apostles. Who's going to write more Bible than Peter even? Or James? Or any other apostle? Paul the super apostle. That's not what he wrote. You know what he wrote? He wrote Paul the bond slave of Jesus Christ. You know what a bond slave is? A bond slave is one who was a slave and then they were set free. They had served their time and they were set free. And they said, I so love my Lord and my Master. I want to remain His servant. And so they would actually pound an all into their ear to signify they were a bond slave. That's us with Jesus. We have been set free. But we don't want to serve any other Lord and Master. Amen? Do you want to serve yourself? I don't want to serve me. I don't want to serve you. I don't want to serve Satan. I don't want to serve the world. I want to serve Jesus. Pound that all into my ear. A bond slave. Because serving Jesus, the best Lord and Master, the wisest and greatest King, the truest Lord of all, is the only way to freedom. And we welcome it. As we close this morning, I want to just share this. Is a message like this. I don't, I don't want us to go off with the wrong thoughts. No church is perfect. No believer is perfect. Far from it. We're talking about not putting up with spiritual abuse, but we as believers should and can put up with quite a bit. Amen? We put up with quite a bit. Wives, you put up with quite a bit. Moms, you put up with quite a bit. We should and we can put up with quite a bit. Imperfect believers in perfect churches, we should show patience, grace, charity, We must not have a hair-trigger reaction and call every imperfect situation an abusive situation. That would be devastating and dangerous and hurtful. But where we clearly find spiritual abuse, we should not and we must not put up with it. So as we close, I want to just share these couple thoughts. And again, There may be somebody watching online as well. If you know someone that you suspect might be in a spiritually abusive situation, try to talk with them about it. Pray with them. Try to understand the situation. And if you find that they are in a spiritually abusive environment or a relationship, try to help get them to leave. 
to back away, to put space, to get into a safe place. If you are personally in a spiritually abusive situation, I want to encourage you not to be silent about it. Go to someone you trust, speak with them about it, find counsel, get prayer. If the situation can be changed, that's good. And if it cannot be changed, get help to get out. God wants you in a safe place. God wants His people to be free from abuse, and He wants us to be protectors of the abused. Protectors. It's one way. It's one way. We preach the real Jesus, and we reflect God's good and loving heart. Let's go to God in prayer. Father, we just come to You. Heavy topic. But we thank You that, Lord, it gives us the opportunity to realize and to see and to declare that, God, You are never abusive. Your great heart is always kind. And You are the one who wants our best. Jesus, nobody ever stooped lower to serve than You did. You stepped down from heaven and became poor and gave Your life to serve us. Lord, we want to reflect Your heart. We want to receive Your mercy we want to receive the freedom of the Gospel. We want to live in the goodness of the Gospel and live in the grace of Your, your love and all that You've accomplished for us. And we want to give that to others, Lord. We want to be um, not devourers, but givers of grace. We want to impart grace. Help us to do that, Lord. Help us to do that. And help us, Lord, to be protective where others might be in a circumstance, Lord, help us to, as you say, to defend the weak and the fatherless, to uphold the cause of the poor and the oppressed, and to rescue the weak and the needy. That is your heart, Lord. Help us to be protectors of the abused. And I pray for anyone whose heart has been, has experienced that spiritual abuse, that you would bring healing, that you would bring freedom. Holy Spirit, that you would speak of freedom right now and just allow healing to pour upon them. In Jesus' name, Lord. Thank you that you're so good. May our hearts be filled with the goodness of our God. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, you guys have a great day. Moms, again, I apologize for the heaviness of this message, but have a happy Mother's Day. God bless you all.